All right, good evening, guys. It is Wednesday, January 23rd, and this is Lost in the Long Box. And what was that little ding? Was that you, Thomas, or Madman? Well, yeah, hold on. Okay. Silence your cell phones. Silence your cell phones, please. It's pretty bad when I have to tell the station manager to silence his cell phone. <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome to Lost in a Long Box. Uh, how's everybody doing? Great. Doing good. Uh, little upset with the way the NFL playoffs panned out, but, you know, we're not an NFL podcast, so we'll just drop that yeah, right there. Yeah, let's not talk about that at all. Right. Um, all right, what do we got out there? It's a little uh, news and noteworthy that happened over the last week uh, that we want to talk about. Thomas, I know you're just chomping at a bit about the one you and I were talking about earlier today. I'll save that for last. Okay. Because I want to use that to segue into tonight's topic. Okay. But since we are talking about NFL playoffs... Did anyone happen to be watching the Saints-Rams game because they dropped the second Shazam trailer and then said you could catch the full one online? Nice. I saw the brief little bit of it, not too much to it. And and that's what it was. They showed you like the first 10 seconds and then said catch the rest online, and I immediately picked up a remote and went reverse and rewound and said, wow, Shazam trailer on the football game. I'm impressed. Color me impressed. Um. The other thing that I was reading that I think a lot of people probably uh, went, really? You know, the Arrowverse crossover on CW this year, um, if you've watched that, and I'm sorry, by the way, listeners, we spoil stuff. If you haven't seen it or read it, come back when you have. <laughs> or just keep listening and let it get spoiled for you because that's how it rolls. Anyway, if you watched the CW Arrowverse crossover this year, um, you notice one of the things in Elseworlds was that Oliver had to pay a price in order to keep Barry and Kara from dying, because in that whole series, Cisco sees that something horrible is going to happen to them. Well, we don't know what the price Oliver paid for that was, and it's been announced that we're not going to find that out until next season. So those of you watching Arrow want to know uh, what did Oliver pay to, to save them, we'll get it to next year, so... You can either quit watching or, or, you know, I guess get some type of relief that it's not going to be coming and ruining your day. You know, it's funny because I've always liked Green Arrow, the comic book, but I could just, I never really got into the TV show. The show started off great. Uh, what's kind of odd is that once they spun off Flash and Legends and then pulled in Supergirl, all the creative talent went to make those shows successful and then Arrow suffered as a result of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I Like I said, I just, you know, even from the beginning, I just, I watched a couple episodes like, yeah. Not really so much for me. Yeah, I did. I wasn't a fan of that one. But, but Flash, and I watch Flash, and you know, watch Supergirl. Right. And yeah. I'm Legends. Of s- sadly, I will admit that I don't watch Arrow anymore, but I watch all the others. So, other news too. This one's actually kind of sad, but to be honest, we kind of saw this one coming, especially if you go to cons regularly. George Perez has announced his official retirement from the world of comic books. So he is no longer going to be actively writing or drawing anything Uh, he's actually been having health issues over the last year you know with um, his diabetes and he's had some vision stuff and some heart problems so he has announced that he is done with the comic book industry he's um retiring retiring now he's he's not going to be doing sketches anymore either for conventions apparently my understanding is he will be taking commissions to his agent and doing like profile headshots but he's no longer going to be doing full full full-on sketches for anyone anymore However, having said that, he is going to be making um, some con appearances, and my understanding, these are his only comic con appearances for 2019, and probably going to be his last ones, period. I think this is his farewell tour, so to speak. Right. So next month, February 22nd through the 24th, and I would actually fly for this one just because where it is, is the amazing comic con Aloha in Honolulu. Ah. Let's face it, you go to that one just for the weather. Yeah, Destination Comic Con. (laughs) Yeah, just for the weather and Hawaii, you know. Oh, there's a con here? Okay, well. Because the weather's bad for comic books. (laughs) That works out pretty good, sure. If Uh, I were in Hawaii, I wouldn't keep my comic books in Hawaii. If I lived in Hawaii? Oh, yeah, the the humidity would probably just kill them, right? Um, March 22nd through the 24th, he will be at C2E2, which for those of you who don't know, C2E2 uh, stands for Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. So he will be there. And then May 17th and the 19th, he will be at the East Coast Comic Con in Meadowlands, New Jersey. So I know a lot of uh, comic book fans are out there in New Jersey. On the East Coast, that is. Sorry. Because I think Meadowlands is not that far of a drive from New York. So if you're in the New York area, 
that that should be a, a pretty quick, easy um, drive for you. And uh, Madman, can you see if this mic right here in front of me is hot? It's hot. All right. So we'll get to you in just a second, brother. June 7th and 9th, he is going to be at the Niagara Falls Comic Con. And my understanding, that is on the Canadian side. Is that in Ontario? Yeah, Toronto. In Toronto. So, yes, June 17th, 19th, he will be at Niagara, Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls Comic Con. Um, August 9th and 11th. Now, this one's a little bit hinky because August 9th through 11th is Terrificon in uh, Sun Expo, Connecticut. But he's only going to be there Friday because August 9th through 11th, Saturday and Sunday, and I really just kind of shivered to mention this one, Fetish Con down in St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Just, just the name alone is like, I don't know if I want to go to that con. I didn't bother Googling that. I, I was afraid about I, what might come up. Well, I find it interesting that he is doing Terrificon that Friday in Connecticut, but then Saturday and Sunday he's doing Fetish Con down in Florida. It's a long day for a man who just announced his retirement from comic books. Well, see, that was one of the things that I thought, too, when, when I saw you know, his upcoming schedule. For someone that just announced his retirement, he's going to be a pretty busy man for right. the upcoming year. And then the last one of the year, and this is my big one. This is the one that I love going to. I, I'll be 15th year running. August 29th through September 7th. Uh, damn it. Sorry. September 2nd. He will be at Dragon Con. Um, Dragon Con, if you have never been, uh, I'll just say it is the con to end all cons. Most comic conventions, you know, at 6 or 7 o'clock when the dealer's room closes and the panels are all done, you pretty much go back to your room and you find stuff to do. There's a few things going on at night, but it's only maybe three or four panels. Dragon Con is literally a 24-hour party for five days of the week. And, I mean, because it's in host hotels in Atlanta, so there's alcohol pouring. There's all kinds of parties going on. Um, and I can tell you when George Perez is at Dragon Con, he is as much a fan as everybody else. You will see him... Friday and Saturday night during peak hours down there in the lobby of the hotels with his camera taking pictures of the cosplayers just like everybody else. So if you have not ever gotten to meet George Perez, this is probably going to be the last year you can. Uh, please, please get to one of the conventions I mentioned because the man absolutely loves his fans. So, all right. Um, before we move on to the news, I do want to make a special announcement. Can I get a little fanfare? I don't have a trumpet or anything. We've, Hold on. Maybe I can find one. You can find a fanfare. <laughs> we have actually added a new member, so we now have a fourth host who lost at the long box. Enos, say hello. Good evening, everyone. Get a little closer to the mic. Pull it up closer to you. Good evening, everyone. There you go. It's got a little knob here. You can pull that in and adjust it to you. Madman is still with us. He's still going to be a member of the crew. He's going to be doing more of the producing. He's been promoted to producer, so he'll be hosting, speaking, and running soundboard and making the sound all pretty. I'm, yep, I'm, he got I'm a, in charge. He got a big raise. He and went so, from making nothing for the show to you making know, still making for nothing for the right. show. <laughs> and, and, and it's, you know, since you are new, I, I need to go ahead and remove your protective wrap. <laughs> so we can access all your features. Take okay. them out of the box. Yes, right? uh, yes. Feeling right out of the box. All right. So we were um, talking about the uh, noteworthy news items for last week. And here's the one that I know that Thomas has just been waiting to go for. Black Panther has been nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. That's right. I was I was a bit surprised when I first heard about it because the first thing I thought a comic book movie, Best Picture, because that's just not something that they that they typically would consider something of, along that nature of a, of a comic book movie. But I have to say I'm I'm glad it was nominated and I'm pulling for it to win because I think if it wins, it's a big victory for all of us. I don't know. Without a question. I, I, and I mean, you know, we, you know, we talked about this on one of our first shows. Like, what's one of the things that we wish we had growing up that kids have now, and that's respect. You know, we don't have to hide the fact that we're comic book fans anymore. We can be out there in the open about it and not have to be worried about it. So, to me, if a comic book movie wins it, to all those people that we had to hide it from growing up, it's basically be us just saying, suck it. So, no well, doubt. No doubt. So, well, that's why I wanted to win. Well, here's, here's the thing. Uh, and I'm torn. I'm on defense. Because I'm a comic book fan. I've been a comic book fan for years. Back when it was not cool. I mean, I got shunned. I didn't get laid till I was 18 or 19 because <laughs> I'm a comic book fan. Um, nowadays, that doesn't seem to be a hindrance. Go figure. But for me, if you're winning an Oscar for Best Picture, you need to be a, a high drama. There, there needs to be something. Who's that? Is that on? It's not me. Anyhow, if you're winning an Oscar for Best Picture, 
It needs to be, I'm sorry, it needs to be some type of high drama. There needs to be a story being told. I need a big emotional investment. And I just, while I love comic books, I don't think a comic book movie is worthy of being a best picture. I, was I, I the, agree. I was on the fence for Shape of Water, to be honest with you, even though I kind of did that movie. I did kind of roll my eyes when she sleeps with the fish man. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at the list of the, the, uh, the Academy Award winning movies for best pictures over the years. I've seen a whopping 16 of them. Most of them are ones I've never heard of. So, yeah. I'd rather a movie that I liked win it than um, some movie I've never heard of. So that's Well, one that's of the things... If I may interject for a moment, um, I discussed this on the comic book collecting uh, Facebook page last night. I can see where both of you guys are coming from in that regard, but definitely this is going to be a game changer if it does win. Because, and even if it doesn't, it is now, if you really think about it, vindicates the value of comics. Oh, absolutely, and 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 it is now it, it is now more in the vein of saying, showing the world, hey, look, this is some serious stuff here. This is something to be taken seriously because look at the revenue that is bringing in. Because exactly. yeah. who would have thought that Aquaman, the most maligned this comic, guy, this guy right here? <laughs> well, well, I well, I'm not gonna lie. I was pulling for it the entire um. The whole nine yards because when I saw Jason Momoa as Aquaman, I got everything I ever wanted. I got the Peter David Aquaman, and I got the classic Aquaman in one. Nice. Now, um, but but who would have ever thought? And, and I think it's great because the most maligned comic book character raked in over a billion dollars. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and, he's he's at a billion now. Right. And um, it's just really freaking awesome just to see that. But even if Black Panther doesn't win, look at look at the overall impact that it is going to have just by simply being nominated. Right. And and now the material is going to be taken seriously. People are going to be willing to spend money on it, not just Marvel Studios. And and people are gonna be more willing to take a chance on a comic book feature, just like they would any original screenplay or drama, anything like that. So it's a win-win. It's a win if they lose, and it's a win if they win. Absolutely right. Although I, I would kind of argue that Hollywood shown the viable viability, whatever. What's what I'm looking for, Madman? You're the writer um, of comic book material, even though. Some would say it would be kind of hokey. I think the 76 Superman oh, yes. to Hollywood. If you know how to treat the character, you will make a good movie. You will oh, make no money. Doubt. And, and I think going back into that, Tim Burton's Batman did it. Um, the first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire did it. So, yeah, it's going to be a big feather in the cap if Black Panther wins. But I don't think it's going to detract anything oh, no. from the market if that doesn't win. If anything, it's going to add to it. But it does add more fuel to the fire of, look, these are viable stories. They're good characters. Just don't write them like a 60s television show aimed at kids. Right. Looking at you, Batman and, and Electro Woman and Donna. Uh, and, and oh, my get, God. And you'll get a good story. But so anyway, that's going to lead into our topic for tonight. Mm -hmm. But before we get there, um, I do want to quickly mention a couple of the new releases that came out today because today is new comic book day um, from Dark Horse. Aliens, Res or, I'm sorry, Aliens Resistance, number one, came out because, you know, Dark Horse makes their bread and butter off the licensed properties. And from what I understand, they usually always knock it out the park when it comes to the aliens and the Terminator right. stuff and, and Predator. DC, um, Dark Knight Metal's trade paperback came out today. So if you didn't get all the originals on that, now's a good time to pick that up in the collected volume and read them all. And Naomi, number one, the... First issue of the Wonder Comics that Brian and Michael Bendis is doing. I actually picked this one up myself because even though I'm not into teen girls, this is Brian. I should Michael, hope not. It's Brian Mike. <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not into teen girls in a way that I can mention here. Um, <laughs> but since it is Brian Michael Bendis writing it, A, it's probably going to be a good story because say what you will about the man, he will tell an engrossing tale until such time it runs off the rails. But. He's already said that she knows a secret about the DC Universe that hasn't been revealed, and I could see something major is going to blow out of this book in the next five to six issues, and people are going to be sleeping on it. Mm. 
So Image Comics today put out Oliver Number 1, which is a sci-fi twist on the Dickens classic. So oh. that ought to be pretty interesting. Please, sir. Might I have more? Exactly. Um, and Marvel, what can you say about Marvel? They, they seem to be just flooding the market all the time. Guardians of the Galaxy Number 1 came out. I think that's the one you might be interested in I, now. It's got Bill in it, so With I want I, I to check it out. Bill? Yeah, it's got Bill. Oh, snap. But the other two that came out today, um, if you're not aware, this is Marvel's 80th anniversary. So along the lines of like their true believers, they're bringing back some of their titles from their history of their last 80 years. Now, they're not ongoing titles. They're going to be one-shots. But today, War is Hell and Crypt of Shadows number one both came out. Oh. Mm. And, and I believe those revisit some of the old classic tales. So that's what's new out in the comic shop today. Um, so you know what? Hey, Madman. Yeah, what's up? I'm a little hungry, man. Where would I go if I want to get something to eat? You probably want to go to Danny's Pizza and Subs. You can check them out at dannyspeatsandsubs.com, or you can give them a call at 898-5008. Their hours of operation are Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., and on Sundays they're open from noon to 8. So check out dannyspeatsandsubs.com, where every day is buy one, get one free of equal or lesser value. They have a limited delivery area, so sorry, Locust Grove. (laughs) (laughs) They won't go out there. They're located at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue, and they have a five-mile radius for delivery. So check them out, dannyspizzaandsubs.com. Yum, yum. As we like to say, bill's paid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Also, uh, guys out there, if you're listening to Lost in Longbox and you want to know some of the same news that we're getting and and find out what's going on in the world of comics, or if there's something happening that you think is interesting but we don't cover it here, uh, let's face it, there may be something that happened last week that we all went, meh. Um, You check out our good buddies at comicsonline.com. Great news on comic book news, comic movie news. So comicsonline.com, friends of us here at Lost in the Longbox. Give them a, you know, check them on out and leave them comments. Let them know you heard about them on Lost and Longbox and we shot you over there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, on to our main topic for tonight. Oh, that's just, I'm going to love this one. There were so many great ones when I started pulling this up. So, this is going to be a great movie for comic book movies. 2019. I just was thinking about it the other day. Do you realize in like the next three to four months, we're going to get Captain Marvel, we're going to get Avengers Endgame, and we're going to get Shazam. So basically two Captain Marvel movies. The original Captain Marvel, I'd like to say. And we're also going to get Spider-Man Far From Home. And those are just the ones that come come to the top of my head. I don't know what else is coming out this year, but I'm sure there's something coming down the pike, right? I'm sure. Yeah, there's definitely more than four. There's got to be more than four. Enos is holding up the hardcover collection of Shazam, A New Beginning, which was the series of stories in the back of the New 52 Justice League, which was a great story. Um, So I recommend go picking that up. But anyway... I don't think a lot of our listeners out there realize there are some fantastic comic book movies that were already made that don't involve the men and women in tights. And I think a lot of you, when we tell you some of these movies, are going to sit there and go, seriously? Wow. So I usually always start out the conversation and, and mention one, and I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pass it to the new boy. Enos, what is one that you thought was really great that came from a comic movie, a comic book? Slow to hell down, Randall. That most people may not actually know. The Road to Perdition. Damn it, you stole one of mine. Yes. I thought Tom Hanks, and I can't remember if he did or not, should have got an Oscar nomination for that. Uh, I don't know, but you know what? We had this thing called the Google. But yes, that is a a fantastic movie. Why don't you give our listeners a quick overview just what exactly that's about in case they haven't seen it. Basically, this is Tom Hanks plays a hitman and he has his son with him going on his job. So it's an excellent character study and showing, you know, another side to someone that we would normally think as a low life or a no good person. We have a guy who is a professional hitman, but he has a son that he absolutely loves. So you can see, because um, it's been I have to admit, it's been a while since I've watched it, but you can see how Tom Hanks' character is torn between who he is and the image that he wants to provide for his son, which makes for a very interesting movie. The, the scene where... He has to go do a hit, and the son has stowed away in the car, and he doesn't know it. 
and he goes into the building. I want to say it's like an abandoned warehouse. And the kid gets out the car and he goes around to the site. And he can't see into the window, but he can look underneath the door or like underneath the wall because it's got this classic wood where it's got that gap in it. Right. And he sees his dad and the mob boss that he's talking to. And he sees him kill the guy. And that moment, you're just like, oh, you're in it now, kid. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, by the way, I just Googled it real quickly. He did not win an Oscar for... Uh, road to perdition. Right. His wins were actually for Philadelphia and Forrest, and Forrest Gump. Gump. Right. Um, I was just wondering, did he get nominated? He did not. He was I not don't nominated. think so because I think he, I felt he should have. His, Paul, Paul his, Newman was nominated for best supporting actor. Right. Paul his three, Newman. His okay. three nominations that he didn't win for this one actually surprises me is Big, and then Saving Private, Private Ryan and Castaway. Wow. Which all are good movies in their own right. But yes, he was from looks like here. That movie looks like it was actually totally snubbed um, in regards to him. Cause I don't yeah, see, it was. Uh, yeah. I don't see any mention. And that, that's horrible because that is such a great movie. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Paul Newman play the mob boss? Paul Newman was a mob boss. Right. Yes. Okay. Oh, that reminds me. There's such a great scene in there, too, when the mob boss has realized that Hanks' kid has seen what's going on. And he sends the hitman to the house. And the kid's hiding out on the porch. <laughs> Remember that? And, and he doesn't see him because it's late at night, and he's hitting it. That is such a great scene. Okay, guys, if you haven't seen Road to Perdition, Netflix it, Hulu it, whatever, <laughs> go after it, get it. It's fantastic. Mad Men, chime in. What do you got? Uh, I think I was confused about what you uh, wanted to talk about this week, so I picked the wrong thing. What did you pick? Uh, I thought you meant like comic books that weren't exactly like superhero-type comic books that, I, that we had. And the only thing I could think of, because when it comes to comic books, is uh, – because I I only like the superhero comic book. <laughs> yeah. The uh, only other ones I can think of. broaden your horizons, yeah. young man. The only ones that I've read that are not like superhero comic books is like G.I. Joe, the early G.I. Joe stuff. I read that. Uh, and like Semper Fi, you know, where it was to- uh, Tales mm-hmm. of the Marine Corps and stuff like that. That's the only like, the, and the only other one that came to mind was this graphic novel I had. I mean, this is back in the 80s. It was called The Life of Christ Visualized. Woo! Okay, sorry. Uh, oh, I won't get religious. I yeah, won't get was, religious. You don't have to. Uh, but I mean, it was like the first graphic novel I ever had, and it was the story of you know the life of Jesus Christ. And I, you know, the, the art wasn't great. I mean, the story is straight out of the you know, New Testament. So I mean, but uh, that was the only other one I got. All right. Sorry. That, not I, a I problem. Mis- I was misinformed. I'll have to actually start calling Mad Men. So do you understand what the assignment is? <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Okay. So one that I'm going to mention, which was fantastic, and I can guarantee you a lot of listeners out there don't know about this one, A History of Violence with Viggo oh, Mortensen that's, and Maria Bello. That's yeah. the one I was thinking about. I, I, I looked up too. That is a fantastic movie. If you don't know basically what it involves, Viggo Mortensen, and I think this takes place out in the Midwest, somewhere like Kansas or one of those little podunk towns. Him and his wife own just a small family, you know, not when I want to say pizzeria, but a diner. You know, it's a classic, got the the soda fountain with the stools on it. It's got the little booths along the wall. And they're living a, a nice, simple, modest life. Well, all of a sudden, two unsavory characters show up, and they start talking to Viggo Morton's character, saying you're, and I don't know the name. It's been that long since I've seen it. But they say, you know, your father in New York would like to talk to you. And he's like, you know, you're mistaken. I, I'm not the man you're looking for. Well, long and short of it is you find out, that Viggo Mortensen is actually the son of a mob boss in New York, and he's fled the life and taken his family and disappeared out into the Midwest, but his father has found him. It's been a while since you've seen that movie. Yes, yes it is. It's been a while since I saw that. I remember that because um, another great actor who really doesn't get his due, Viggo Mortensen, guy's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, the, he kills it in this movie. The Green Book, I am going to make sure that I watch that because – when I saw the trailer, his character engulfed me. It's just something about Viggo Mortensen. It was no matter what he's in, he just pulls you in because he's such a great actor. Right. Well, an interesting thing about it too, looking at looking this up, at the 78th Academy Awards, William Hurt w- received a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. He was in the film for eight minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so that's pretty crazy that you could get a nod for Best Supporting Actor even though you were only in the film for eight minutes. That must have been, Ross pretty, <laughs> you, been um, pretty memorable. You had that. You had the movie put up there? I do. Can you tell me, and I might be remembering this wrong, but is Paul Giamatti in that movie? 
Uh, let's look. Cass. Uh, no. No, he's he is not? not. Okay. Ed Harris is in it. Ed, Ed Harris is who I'm thinking of. Yes. That is. So you've seen it, Madman. Yeah, and I actually remember the plot. Okay. Uh, but, but, but I am pretty close, right? He's like a mob son who's disappeared out to the Midwest. and uh, No, he's a hitman. And uh, he's oh, hiding. Oh, right. Okay, yes. And these uh, two guys come in there trying to rob his place, and he ends up killing them. And he gets put all over the news as being like this vigilante. Well, I am off. Then, okay. Yeah. And so, then his face gets plastered all over the country. And, and so then they, they come find looking him. for him. Okay. So now I need yeah. to go Netflix it. Yes, it has been a long, long time since I've seen that movie. So Madman has set me straight, guys. But yes, History of Violence is another great one. In fact, if I remember correctly, I think that was one of those DC titles where it was like the big book of, and it was a huge overbound volume, and that's where the story came from. Right. Thomas, I know you have something. Yeah, this one was a real shock when I was uh, when I was doing my research for the show and everything like that. I had no idea. This comes from us from 1985, Weird Science. Science. Hmm. I right. had no idea. Apparently, it was adapted from the comic book of the same name. It was a 1950s EC Comics uh, pre-code uh, story. Oh, yeah. And the plot of the of the movie came from issue number five of Weird Science. So, how, oh. hold up. Now, I know they had the actual title, Weird Science. Uh-huh. So you're saying this story was in the title itself? Yep, it was uh, uh, making the, a woman? the basic premise in Al Feldstein's story made, <laughs> Tell me about it. made of the future in the fifth issue. Yeah, as soon as I, I read this, um, Weird Science number five became on my one of my most get must get list of comics. It's not up there as high as uh, Patsy Walker ninety five, oh. but it is on the list. So I definitely want to get this. I don't know exactly when I saw this movie, but I have seen it. I think I have seen it more than once. It came out in 1985. I'm sure I did not see it in 1985 because I was eight in 1985. <laughs> My and parents I'm, would let me watch it. I am betting mom and dad would have gave me a hard no on this movie oh, yeah, big time. in 1985. Well, when so, Kelly Brock comes out the bathroom, yeah, you go, yeah. like, dad, 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 rewind, rewind. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that Kelly Little Brock was a gorgeous woman in 1985. Yeah. I, I don't a know. A lot of VHS tapes snapped at that part. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about her right now, but, I, but oh, in I've, 1985. I've seen her recently. She was on Celebrity Fit Club. Mm-hmm. She was looking good then, and she had a little bit of weight on, and she got that weight off, and she looks absolutely fabulous. And the last time I saw her, I'm like, Steven Seagal, why did you leave this woman? I'm like, you big dummy. So I, no. You know what? Okay. I, I will do you, I'll do all of you one better. There's a movie, and I want to say it might have been Dudley Moore. I, I might be remembering that wrong. Maybe it's uh, Gene Wilder. There's a movie called Woman in Red, and it's Kelly, Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock, oh, yes. And there's a scene in the hotel room. Where she comes running out naked, and yeah, there's a brief moment. I do remember that. that oh, yeah. Yes. I was a senior in high school uh, yes. when, when that came out. I do remember and that I, well. And I will tell you, I didn't watch it on HBO or whatever. I, I somehow rented it because I was I remember being in love with Kelly LeBrock because of Weird Science. Yeah. And that's another one where the rewind button on the remote worn off. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But yeah, this this is a this is a great movie. I remember it. It was the you know the two the two nerds and it created themselves a girl because they were social outcasts. And you know it was it was it was hilarious. I mean, I liked the part in the middle of it when they uh, when they were going to create a second girl. They forgot to hook up the doll, and it, the electrodes got hooked up to the yeah. magazine, and a giant nuclear bomb materialized right. yeah. in their house. <laughs> it was the weirdest science. That it was, was weird science. That yep. was pre Iron Man, Robert Ex- Downey Jr. Exactly. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it was it was a great movie. I really I. I I remember it, even though I haven't seen this, and I couldn't tell you how long. It's probably about, been about 15 that was years also, or so. That was also pre-Aliens Bill Paxson. Bill yes. Paxson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very young Bill Paxson in, in this one as well. What, what did he say? How about a nice pork sandwich <laughs> served yeah. in a dirty ashtray? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember when he, remember that part when he got turned into the big giant turd? Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I love when he eats the fly, and he's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, didn't, I didn't see it, but it actually spawned a... a a TV series too yes. that was on for, about, for for a few years. I, the, yeah, I looked it up in IMDb. Apparently, it was uh, eighty-eight episodes. It was, yeah, yeah, it, it ran for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. All right, Enos. What other movie you got? Tank Girl. Oh yeah, my right. God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, I mean, exactly. That goes without saying. This was a Lori. This was a futuristic vehicle with Lori Petty and, believe it or not. Ice T. I know, yeah. because Ice he, he plays Ice a mutant Ice T plays it, a, right? mutant, a mutant kangaroo. Yes. Yeah. And I believe I he was that. the love interest for, for Tank Girl. 
Hey, if you, if I can't, don't quote me on that, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's one of the few roles that Ice T would like to forget. <laughs> I think Laurie Petty would Look, like to forget. I'm it. pretty sure. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I know I've seen that movie, but I saw it back when it first came out. I remember nothing about it, so I must not have been impressed. That's all I, all I can say. It, I will tell you, it didn't do very well. No, it didn't. Um, no, it didn't. I, I have watched it, and it is one of those ones where I sat there and went, that's two hours I'm never getting back. Wow. Okay. It smelled big time. <laughs> Maybe 90 minutes. I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting back. Holy yeah. cow. But, no, I, but Naomi watches it. it Malcolm McDowell was it. Right. Oh, my God. But here's the thing. It, Lori Petty was still a little cutie at the time she made it, made right. that movie. And I also think she was one of those ones who be, they all believed her star was on the rise and expected right. big things yeah. from her. And that movie, I would say, single-handedly killed her career. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> well, I don't know. Didn't she do uh, A League of Their Own after that? She sure did. She, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, she yeah. was. Um, she was good in that. She that was. was yeah, she kid, got relegated right? to supporting actress, basically. Right. right. Yeah. But, but I think she was. I thought she was on. good in that. You're starring next to Gina Davis, who still had. Yeah, a, you're going to be a supporting actress <laughs> of right. Gina Davis. Yeah, I mean, you know, come on. But but still, that was a good movie. So I don't think it completely destroyed her career. No, it no. didn't. But but it didn't help it. I mean, right. But it, but thank God. But, okay, but go back to that. How many years passed between Tank Girl and League of Their Own? Okay, so it may have been a while. <laughs> yeah. But you know, she did. She was able to rebound and do that. Maybe maybe it ended her you know star as like a you know a leading woman. But you know, she, I think she rebounded all right. She was on in Orange Is the New Black a couple years ago. She wasn't too actually bad in that. League of Their Own was ninety two. Tank Girl was ninety five. So she was in. So that oh, was okay. so Are you I serious? was wrong. Yeah. On that. Wow. Okay. Thank you for the correction there, Madman. And two years later. <laughs> okay, hang on. My mind is just blown. <laughs> Are you seriously telling me League of Their Own came out before Tank Girl? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. I did not realize that. I thought League of Their Own was uh, more I recent thought, than that. I thought no. that was a much later. I would have sworn Tank Girl was like late 80s. Oh, no. Um, it has that feel, though. Yeah, it does. Well, see, I thought they were flip flopped. I thought Tank Girl was like around 92 and then, you know, yeah, League of Their so Own, they're... 95. Yeah, well, okay, then I stand by my original statement. This single handedly destroyed the yeah, curve. Right. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> and, and ironically, right. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but um, after Tank Girl. She was picked up as Livewire on Superman the Animated Series. Yes, she was, and 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 my gosh, she was great in that. So you know, she's made her. She didn't. She didn't have the same you know on screen time that she did with League of Her Own and Tank Girl, but she's definitely made her money doing her doing voiceovers. Well, and I tell you what, as I'm, it's great that you said that because a lot of those voice actors from. Superman and, and animated series and Batman and even some of the Marvel stuff are are high name actors that right. you just don't ever really put a you know know because they don't put their names in the credits, and then later on when you go back in your research and stuff like on IMDb because you're curious you go, that's who that is oh that's who that is, and I tell you what it just blows my mind all the time, my wife and I love to watch Madam Secretary right and Tim Daly plays. Um, her husband, Annette. Well, I can't watch it and not see, see him walk him, around and expect Superman. a cape on him, right? <laughs> I, you know, the, not to get off subject here, but I think he is truly one of the unsung voices of the Man of Steel. Everyone is m- m- remembers Bud Collier, right? Danny Dart from the Super Friends, and Bo Weaver, who is the announcer on Entertainment Tonight for the '88 um, Superman series. But I love Tim Daly's just regular approach to right. it. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. It's kind of hard to watch Madam Secretary see him talk, and I'm like, "There's Superman right, right. there." I, I said, because I told my wife one time, you know, he needs to have a red cape on. That's all I'm going to say. Exactly. <laughs> and you mentioned Malcolm McDowell a few moments ago. You know, he was Metallo. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Man, I love that guy. And one another one that I love. We're going to digress for just a wee bit here, listeners. <laughs> uh, another actor that I absolutely love, and people don't realize it's him is Clancy Brown, who does Lex Lex Luthor. And he's in a lot of TV shows. He does a lot of um, actual sci-fi comic book movies, too. Mm -hmm. He's um, Zed in Starship Troopers, for one. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's a really great actor. And and every time I hear his voice, I go, Lex! (laughs) Mm -hmm. He was also in, what was it, Cowboys and Aliens with Daniel Craig? Right, right. Which is actually a much better movie, than which I think that's a comic book movie. Based on a comic book. Yes, exactly. Which is another great movie, which I don't, well, uh, let's put it this way. It was like Venom. I went there not expecting much and came out and went, damn. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a big, big, uh, big surprise. And, you know, just to give you guys an idea as to how great the movie Tank Girl was, 
It had a budget of $25 million. $25 million. It made at the box office $6 million. <laughs> Oh, my yeah. God. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. So, yeah, you're right. That kind of put it into her career. That's a bomb right yeah, there. Because she had a big career in the 90s. Uh, Cadillac Man, Point Break, right? Leader yep. of Their Own, Free Willy, Poetic Justice, in the Army now. Yep. But, yeah, when, when, when you're the lead in a movie that uh, tanks that bad... That's tanks in the title. Yeah, <laughs> I did nice. that on purpose. Play on words, but so, yeah, it, it it's gonna ruin your. So back to our comic book movies that were not superhero based. I got uh, one. You got one. Go for it. Uh, Tales from the Crypt. Absolutely yes. Oh, there you go. Original, yeah, I forgot about those movies. And yeah. in fact, uh, Creep Show. Was yeah, originally too. We'll another one, the, another one of those great comic. EC comics that uh, Tales from Crypt and EC were, and uh, Creeps were both EC. I'm going to throw I these understand out. Now. I'm going to throw these out for honorable mention because everybody knows them, but they're good and they're so great that you can't not mention them. That Sin City and 300. Yeah, 300. Right. Oh yeah, I mean, that was one of the ones I was going to go with. Yeah, if you, I mean, let's let's face it. 300 and City Sin City are, are great movies. 300 is kind of cheating. Because 300 is a movie based on a comic book that's based off a movie. <laughs> Remember that? Yep. So for those of you who don't know, Frank Miller saw the movie about the Spartan 300, wrote the comic book around it, and then years later they made a movie of his comic book. So well, Wasn't the Spartan 300 an actual event? Oh, yeah, it's an actual, actual historical, historical event. event, yes. An actual historical event. And then, and of course, the comic book, you know, he bought in fantasy elements into it and stuff like that. Right. But, but Yeah, I never read the comic book. I did. I did enjoy the movie back when it first came out. I watched it once, probably won't again. Put Gerard Butler on the map. Yeah, yes, yeah. it did. And then he turned around and made Phantom of the Opera and killed his career. Uh-huh. Ah. You know, I need to be a Hollywood agent so that when they start, think about making these type of movies and say, I just came off of no! a multi-million dollar movie. I want to do this one. Uh, do you want to kill your career? That was- hey, Ice-T's still around. Yeah, he he was, like you said, he was a kangaroo, half kangaroo, half guy. But a co- another couple of great ones that I have here, um, and I really love this movie, is 30 Days of Night. With Josh Star, Hart yeah, and Steve. Melissa George. Have you seen this movie? I have not. Oh, that's a beautiful movie. So, and I believe that might have been Boom or Dark Horse that did that. I can't remember. Anyhow, the whole premise of 30 Days of Night is you know up in Alaska, they have those periods where night lasts like six months way up in the northern region where there's oh, no yeah. sunlight Ar- Ar- whatsoever. Yeah. So, this pack of vampires realize that that's basically uh, free buffet. Yeah. So the whole storyline is they invade this town knowing that they've got six months of, of night where they can just eat like uh, as much as they want. And Josh Harnett and Melissa George are, playing, are the two um, deputies who are trying to figure out why all these townspeople are suddenly dying. And Because I think they actually start with eating the dogs, don't they? Like one of the villagers um, on the outline has his dogs die and he goes to investigate, you know, why is this guy's dogs mutilated? Right. That has a bit of a shock ending to it, which I won't spoil if you haven't seen it. And for the record, it's IDW. Thank you, yes. IDW that put this out. Steve Niles, another underrated creator. Yeah, I've never. Absolutely. I've, I, this is one that I, I can't believe I haven't seen. As much as I love me some horror movies and stuff like that, I, I'm kind of let me kind of oh. surprised I have not seen this. Let, that line from that movie is just before the vampire is about to attack this lady. The lady goes, oh, God. And he looks at her and goes, no, God. Yeah. The, I can tell you that the, the, the main vampire in that little pack of the movie is a bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, and I believe that's the one I was just talking about. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I, I'm gonna have to, I will definitely have to check this out because, like I said, I am a huge horror movie fan and, and you know, even bigger fan of you know vampire movies when they're done right looking at you twilight you weren't done right um, <laughs> uh, and so this is one that i'm, I'm surprised that I, I haven't seen you know because this would be right up my alley you know 30 oh, days yeah. with vampires running around eating people now i'm surprised it's, you didn't you didn't get that one you yeah. haven't seen that one yeah this is this is this really surprised me i mean i'd heard of it and i, I guess it was just one of those ones that fell through the cracks but I'll have to check this out. It's that is yeah, that's a great movie. It's it's one that I try to see whenever it comes on. That and Daybreakers, both great vampire movies. But Thirty Days of Night is, and I tell you what, when I watched that and I saw that oh they're going to an Alaska town that's got night for six months, I'm like oh that is just evil. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that just chilled me thinking 
God, if there really were vampires, that's exactly what I would do. You right. know, <laughs> you know, I never read it, but years back, I, I saw a comic book series along those lines that I wanted to check out, and it was called Werewolves versus Vampires on the Moon. Uh-huh. 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 That'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I I never got around to checking it out, but yeah, that, I was like, okay, so wow. Yeah, the vampires don't have to worry about the sunlight because they're you know dark side on, the of the moon. Moon, on the dark right. side of the moon, right. and the and the werewolves are always going to be werewolves because it's always going to be a full moon. Exactly. So, yeah, it's crazy. It does sound crazy. Yeah. Who's got something else? Because I got a couple more here. I, well, we got to go with one uh, here. You know, it, it may be a little more obvious, but I'm, I'm, I'm betting there's a lot of people out there didn't realize this. Men in Black. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Men in Black. The, the the Men in Black films were were fantastic. They were based on. I, I didn't see the third one, but I loved did love the first two ones. First one coming from uh, originally from Aracel Comics, was a Canadian comic book publisher, and then of course then it went to Malibu, and currently the comic book rights to Men in Black is owned by Marvel. Because of course yep. they purchased purchased Malibu. Um, I always kind of wondered why they never did anything with them, you know, as far as comic books. I mean, they put out some one shots, you know, at, at one point, but they never really published anything about it, even when the even with you know the movies being as big as they were. But then I saw what they did, you know, when they when they cut the Fantastic Four comic book and everything like that. It's like, yeah, they just they, they don't want to be putting out the comic books because someone owns the right else owns the rights to do the well, movie. I guarantee you probably get some type of comic related item this this year because you know there's a new movie coming, right? Yeah, I, I heard about it. It's like Men in Black International. Men, Men in Black International, but it's a whole new uh, whole group. new cast. There's no there's no Will Smith. You know, I almost said Will Ferrell, and I could not get my brain to switch gears. <laughs> big, that's a big confusion, bro. And what's so cool about it? It's Thor and Valkyrie in the yes. in the title yeah. roles, mm-hmm. aka yeah. Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean. I guess I'll probably get around to checking it out. I don't know if I'll go see it at the theater because, like I said, I didn't, never saw I never saw the third one. But you know, it, it sounds like it could be fun. It, it looks good. It, it, it looks good. It does. It, but honestly, it might be one of those wait for video releases, or, or in my case, wait for a DirecTV to have their free preview weekend. Bingo. There you go. Yeah, I mean that might be the way I look at it when it comes to streaming to um, to Netflix or you know Amazon Prime or Hulu or one of those ones that we have. You know, I might check it out then. I'll be honest if if, if you're as good as it does look to me, nine times out of ten, I won't see it either. So yeah. so you know, I, I can tell you, I can, and everybody just always kind of like jaw drops when I tell them this. I didn't see Deadpool in the theater because I'm just not a fan of the character. Can't stand him. I, I waited to the free preview weekend on DirecTV and said, you know what? I'll watch it for free. <laughs> I won't pay for this mother, but I'll watch it for free. I saw the first one in the in the theater, but I never got around to seeing the second one. I just really wasn't bothered. I, I mean, the, the, I, uh, a friend of mine, one of, my, one of my coworkers, we went to see it to kill some time. We were waiting for a mutual friend to meet us for lunch because she had to work. I was sitting in the movie theater going like. You realize this is radio. They can't no, see no, your no, no, I'm not, I, that, 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 That's my point. I mean, I'm just sitting there saying absolutely nothing like, okay, hurry up and be over and what have you. I'm, I, okay, I'm not, I'm done. And like, you don't like, somebody put, um, at my desk at work, I have figures. Some, Somebody left me a note. You need some Deadpool. And I'm why, and I could if I could have found who wrote it, I was like, you have a desk. You put some Deadpool yeah, on. Don't right. bring that fool on my desk, put man. Put some Deadpool on your desk. Put <laughs> yes. it on my desk. But yeah, Men in Black. I mean, the first two were were, were big favorites of mine. I, I I've thoroughly enjoyed them. They made it's been a blockbuster, and you know, it wasn't something that I realized until you know, quite a bit later that they, that they were indeed comic books first. I guess you know because I was always like Madman said earlier. I pretty much only read superhero comics growing up, so. Right. I didn't realize that there were comic books out there that didn't have super bad. Uh, I knew they were out there. Oh, yeah. I didn't care about them. Yeah. I, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> they are out there. I just didn't care. Uh, <laughs> I, I will fully admit that, yes, in my youth, I primarily read superhero comics. And I guess I just got saturated because I got to the point where, like, I want to see something else other than a guy in tights beating up another guy in tights. Right. You know? So, and then I'm in Power Girl. And that settled me for about, you know, 10, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, yes, yeah, so while we're back on that, Enos, you got anything over there? American Splendor. Oh, God, what a great movie that is. And that's got my boy Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti I love me some Paul Giamatti. This was a movie basically about an underground comic where a creator by the name of Harvey Picar basically used the comic book to tell his life story. 
And but and they felt it was so interesting. They decided to make a movie out of it, and it was something I. It stands out to me because you never see anything like that before. Um and um and like 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 you were saying, Paul Giamatti, one of the most underrated, viable actors that are out Absol- there. I love this Absolutely. guy. Absolutely, because like when I saw him in Big Mama's house, I was like, "There's something about this guy," because he would literally steal scenes from Martin Lawrence in that movie. And, you know, even though Martin held his own playing um, playing Big Mama, which carried the movie, when Paul Giamatti came on that screen, there was something about him, the chemistry the two of them had that carried that movie. But, yeah, Paul Giamatti did a great job of um, portraying the man who American Splendor was about, Harvey Pekar. Also, and a lot of people don't realize, Harvey Pekar... Um, is really good friends with R. Crumb, and he's also in the movie as as the character R. Crumb. But both of those gentlemen were extremely influential in the world of underground comics back before underground comics was a thing. Now, now they're I hate to say that they're mainstream, but they're pretty much just like independent publishers. This was back in the day. When if you wanted to get into the work, it was akin to getting drugs because your your comic shop didn't have them. You had to go in and ask them, "Hey, can you get any R. Crumb stuff or or Harvey P. Carr stuff?" And it was like, and it was literally, they didn't call Diamond or Capital or whoever the vendor was. They had to make calls to other dealers who had them, right? Because a lot of their you had work to go was out of your way to get them. Exactly, yeah. a lot of their work was self printed and taken by hand to the guys who would sell it for them. So that is another great movie. The thing that's really weird about that, and I don't know how Paul does this, is the entire movie he's talking with this raspy voice, man. And I mean, he does it throughout the whole <laughs> voice. He's got like the smirker throat, and I don't know how he managed to carry it on for so long. Because I'd been coughing after the first two phrases right. I, I would have said. But it's funny that you mentioned uh, Robert Crumb. I got exposed to both of those guys. On you have the, my sympathies. <laughs> no, I never read. <laughs> no, I got. I learned about them from a um, DVD that I purchased. Well, actually, I saw it on Stars Comic Book Confidential. Mm-hmm. If you re- if not to get off subject, but if you, if you want a really good documentary on the evolution of comics as a whole, not just DC and Marvel, I strongly suggest that you purchase that. It is a great, great film, and it gives you an insight on comics unlike anything ever seen. Yep, I'm going to have to pick that one up. I have heard this one mentioned several times, and I've ever yet to get my hands on it and watch it. So, But yes, American Splendor, another great movie. I, I will freely admit, though, you really need to be a fan of comic books and a comic book medium for that movie because right. it, it's dry. And, yeah. and if oh, you're not yeah. into that, you, you might find yourself waking up an hour later going, huh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very, uh, very arid. Yes. Another, another great comic book movie that a lot of people don't realize is where it originated, From Hell, with From Johnny Hell. Depp right. and Heather Graham. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, okay. I That was a, along the lines of, was Jack the Ripper, right? Yes, that was, yes, that was a great movie. I. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that. That was fantastic. Well, and I believe Heather Graham plays um, Mary what Kelly. was Mary Kelly. Thank you very much. And Johnny Depp is a detective who's trying to find Jack the Ripper. And in this story, it gets a little dangerous because he ends up developing feelings for Mary Kelly, and you know that she's doomed if you know your Jack the Ripper history. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Um, plus, the other thing that's really great about this is you find out that Johnny Depp's character is extremely flawed. For one, he's a bit he's a bit of a clairvoyant, but you find out he's also an opium addict. Because mm-hmm. there, there are straight up scenes of him in the opium den getting high when he's supposed to be out finding a killer. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that was yeah. I I forgot. I completely forgot about this movie. It was a good movie. And I and I seem to think I remember it being a being a comic and everything too. I remember watching it. It this was fantastic because I I like Johnny Depp and you know his. Yeah, Jack the Ripper has always been a pretty intriguing right. story too, because it was you know the murders, well, mystery never, that's never been solved. Never solved, right? And, and they never got him. Did they never caught him? Did they? Yeah, they have, nope. they have no idea who Jack the Ripper is. They have they have several you know guesses, educated guesses on who it could have the, been. The widely accepted but, theory is that it was the royal surgeon. 
And uh, there, there's also that theory that he came to America, too. Have you heard right. that one? There's the theory that he actually left London and came to America, which is why they never caught him, because the trail went right. cold. Right, because the trail right. went cold, and, he, and you know, he performed, you know, he murdered people here, too, if that's if right. that's the case. I th- believe it was up in Pennsylvania, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah there's a lot of theories that he actually fled London because they they were getting close. They were. And, yeah, yeah so the theory was that he fled and came to America and murdered and murdered women in Pennsylvania. Wow. Absolutely. So, yes. I mean, and if you look at the theory, it holds water. I mean, it, it could be, it could be true. I mean, you know, it, you know, there were the, there were several of the murders that happened in Pennsylvania were very similar to the Ripper murders. So, right. So, yeah, I'm going to have to actually go research some of that myself now. Uh, it's pretty I interesting have, stuff. I have one other movie that I'm kind of that I kind of saved for last because anyone who's seen this movie is just going to do a, a spit take and go really. Um, so I want, do you guys have anything on your list? Madman, you've been a little quiet today. Although, I tell you what, you are killing it as producer because this gentleman has now got to Google up. So whenever any of us mention something, he's right on it pulling up the information. So, yeah. Hey, you got to do it. The, the man. If I'm getting kicked off the show, I'm going to do my new job. Okay. Uh, You're not kicked off the show. You have been promoted <laughs> to producer. Yep, you got a pay raise of nothing. Uh, That's right. I, I had a couple. Or you always just saying Firefly, since, you know, nothing, add to nothing, carry the nothing. <laughs> you know what that's from? Do you, you remember that episode? I'm, 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 I'm trying to, I, I do remember that very much. Nathan Fillion is just. <laughs> well, it was actually Adam Baldwin's yeah, yeah, character, Adam Jane. Okay. And he lamented the fact that they just got stiffed on this shipment of yeah. federal food stuff that they stolen. And he's like, seems to me we ain't been paid on this. He was. So, so let me do the math. Nothing. Carry the nothing. Nothing. Ten percent of nothing. Nothing is way yeah, Let me do yeah. the math. <laughs> you know, what do you got? Um, I had the mask. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim Carrey. And uh, which you know he had already made a name for himself on a living color, and this just enabled him to skyrocket. And also V from V, v for Vendetta. Vendetta. Actually, stop on that one. Because next week's episode, we're going to do our retrospective on V for Vendetta. Cool. So, our, one of our loyal listeners, Lori J., a while back, uh, and I think the show was literally maybe three episodes in, and she said, hey, Randy, can you guys talk about V for Vendetta? I'm like, well, Lori, absolutely we can. And then I blew her off for two months. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I told her we are going to cover it this year, and next week's episode is going to be it for V for Vendetta. So, we'll talk about the movie when we talk about the comic. Cool. Yeah, and you got you you have the the trade right, Randy. That you can let me borrow. So I, I can read it. I have Madman's trade that I'm going to read it and give to you Saturday so that you can read. Gotcha. Okay. Madman's uh, apparently read it enough that he doesn't need a refresher on it. Yeah, it's not that great. I'll voice my opinion Dude, next week. Really? Yeah. You're ruining an episode before we even make the episode. Uh, you got to wait for next <laughs> week to hear my complaints. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. All righty. Um, but you know, when you go back to the mask, you know who else made their debut in that movie? Cameron Diaz. There you go. And she looked good when she was thicker like that. Yes, she. That's right. She had a little weight on her. Yeah, there. and she was still hot. And and then she she dropped some of it and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. kind of went by the wayside. And financially, this movie was a huge success. Twenty three million dollar budget. Oh yeah, box it was office three hundred and fifty one million. Oh yeah, huge success. Saw that. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it in years. I know I liked it at the time it was released. Um, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know about now. Maybe maybe not. I'd have to see it again. But. I'm gonna be truthful. I watched the carry. I watched the Cable Guy before I watched the Mask. Yeah, I've never seen the Cable Guy, but oh, I've heard. I've, I've heard <laughs> it's a better things. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a better movie. Trust me. Uh, uh, now I know both of those are Jim Carrey vehicles, but is Cameron Diaz and Cable Guy as well, or I uh, know. No. Okay, they're just just that they're both Jim Carrey vehicles, right? Yeah. I don't know who was it that played uh, Leslie Matthew? Mann. Who Leslie Mann? Yeah, Chad Apatow's wife. Oh, now yeah. I, do, I do like yes I, I know like Leslie Mann. Mann I remember her <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it, you know it, it, this was a big one for him I mean he had been in Ace Ventura before that so that was probably the one that actually really took made his movie career take right. off but you know he he had a bunch of big big hits after that uh, Dumb and Dumber oh yeah uh, Liar Liar Truman Show. You know, and some misses, Batman Forever. Uh, yeah. Now, hold, okay, when I, now say, hold up. <laughs> now, I will freely admit that Batman Forever is a steaming pile of poo. Mm. But I will give it up for Jim Carrey as being the only bright spot in that movie. Because I, I will freely admit that uh, George Clooney, oh, is that Val Kilmer? Val That's Kilmer. the Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer kind of sucks in that. 
Tommy Lee Jones, the poor guy just did not know who he was supposed to be playing. He was told, play a disfigured Joker. I mean, that's pretty much it. Basically. I think but, both Jim Carrey and him were like that. But I got to tell that. you, I, I think Jim Carrey, as Riddler, really hit his own in that movie. I think he steals, steals that movie. Well, 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 the, well, the thing that I liked about Jim, the thing that I liked and I disliked about Jim Carrey is that he was, the thing that I disliked was the fact that he was too much like trying to be like Frank Gorshin. Yeah. And I'm right, sorry, right. but nobody. It's Frank Gorshin. And yeah. I will say nobody will ever play the Riddler the way Frank Gorshin did. Who's going to do this last? <laughs> <laughs> I love that well, it was so you great, got it, man. You got it. We need to get you. We yeah, we need to get and you. I mean, um, nobody will ever do the, that, Madden. We totally need a soundbite that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. We 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 need you that. Go edit we the audio. Got to have that. And you know, and, and Tommy Lee Jones's defense in this movie, we're getting a little off track, but that's fine. He shouldn't have even been playing Two Face in this. <laughs> no, I mean, no. let's face it. Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in the original. And and you're gonna bring in Tommy Lee Jones to play Two Face? That's a little bit of a problem been, there. I have always wondered what it would have been to see Billy D. Williams, who was pretty much a matinee idol esque type actor, to go from that to playing Two Face. Two Face. And he was I think he would have pulled it off. He, he could have put it off. To, he mm-hmm. was supposed to play Two Face. Yeah. My understanding there was a contract uh, kerfuffle that killed it because yeah. of Tim Burton. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they could have at least got someone that, you know, somewhat looked like Billy D. Williams. I mean, come on. Oh, oh, oh you mean like the Don Cheadle, um, Terrence Howard switch? Oh, right. <laughs> which, I mean, I mean let, Oh, let, my God. <laughs> let, let, <laughs> Rody, you look horrible. <laughs> or great. You lost I don't a lot know. of weight, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's face it. Come on. Tommy Lee Jones and Billy D. Williams? What? Yeah. Yeah. What happened so, to God? I mean, I'm just, just imagining. I wish they had did this in the movie where Robert Downey Jr. walked up to Don Chew like, Rody, uh, you look a little different than the last right. time I saw you. You're shorter and you got more yeah. wrinkles. What's yeah. up with What's that? What's up with Yeah. <laughs> so we're almost out of time. I have one more movie I want to mention that even if you're not a comic book fan and you're looking for movies that were made on comic books and not necessarily superheroes, this is just a great freaking movie. Go find it. Wide Out with Kate Beckinsale. Oh, yeah. Wide Out. A lot of people do not realize that is a comic book movie. So the whole premise is she plays a U.S. Marshal at an Antarctica research station, and she's like six days away from taking her leave for six months, and there's a brutal murder um, at the base. And it's right as the annual storm that, that comes to the Antarctic because what ends up happening is everybody has to get off base. You only got so many hours where you're getting snowed in. And because of this murder... She can't leave because her murderer is still there at the base. It is a fantastic movie. And the whole reason it's called White Out is there are several scenes where she's got to interview the few people she knows that are left at the station. And when she steps out, you can't see anything. You have to tether yourself to a line from building to building wow. to get to the next one. It's a fantastic movie. And it's Kate Beckinsale. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kate uh, Beckinsale. Yeah. That's sad, right? Yeah. Um, but fan, oh, did you just meh? Kate Beckinsale? You're Kate fired. Be- Kate Beckinsale doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> wow, Man Bad got fired this episode, and I did not. That's got to be a first. Oh, wow. I got three minutes, man. You can still be fired. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see. What can I say? What can I say? Dark Hawk rules? Dark Hawk. Okay, see, now you're fired. Okay, there we go. I had to get it in there somehow. Uh-huh. All right, so that's two firings for 2019 so 2019. far. <laughs> I'd like to, the, before we close, I'm, I wanted to get in on this when I came in. We were talking about you guys were talking about uh, George Perez's retirement. The very first two New Teen Titans book I got was issue two, where they took on the Justice League. When I picked up that book, the art was oh, absolutely. phenomenal. I had never seen anything like that before. And then the following year, he did Justice League. So that was my introduction to George Perez. But when you read that book. The way Marv Wolfman wrote it, you knew it was something special because you saw the younger members of the DC echelon grow up. Well, you know the whole story about about Teen Titans, right? So Marv Wolfman and George Perez were both at Marvel, right? And DC said, "We want you to come to come on work on a book for us." And they said, "Okay, what's the book?" And they said, "Teen Titans." And Marv Wolfman and George Perez both had two conditions. Marv Wolfman's was. I want to straighten out your messed up continuity with your multiverse. Bingo. Yeah. We got and, that's how, and that's how you end up doing crisis. And George Perez said, okay, 
And, and remember, George Perez was known for his team books. He goes, I want, a, I want Justice League. And they said, okay, well, so-and-so has it now, but within a year it should open up. The anticipation and expectation was that Teen Titans would go six or seven issues and off it would be. When the time came, they said, okay, we can do that Justice League for you now, George. George is like, okay, I'll do a few issues here, but I really want to stay on Titans because Titans had taken off. Right, big and time. If you, were, if you read the history, I think first issue sold well, and then two was lower, and then three was lower, and around four and five, something happened where the mouth hit, and the book went through the ceiling. And so, yes, but anyway, so yes, George Perez, Teen Titans, fantastic. Yes. And not to mention afterwards... After Crisis and then his take on Wonder Woman. Oh, my God. For a lot of you people who don't know, the movie with Gal Gadot is straight up an interpretation of George Perez's Wonder Woman. That's who you're seeing. Oh, man. Great. It was probably one of the best Wonder Woman runs ever. Oh, yep. Absolutely. We're, we're going to touch base on Wonder Woman and George, particularly George Perez's influence when we review Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we are out of time. I want to thank everybody for listening. I um, want to thank Danny Sepson Pizzas. Um, also, our buddies here at comicsonline.com. So until next time, we'll be down here wondering, if Elastigirl and Plastic Man are having sex, doesn't it basically look like Silly Putty? Oh. And why, Eunice? Uh. <laughs> why, Thomas? Because we're lost in the long, long box. box. Yes, we are. Thank you. Have a good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.